Welcome to the Passion Purpose Power podcast. I'm your host, Ames. I am a neurodivergent, fat, queer, counsellor, coach and clinical supervisor. I hope that you find this podcast uplifting, honest and very human as I introduce you to people who have changed their lives and who are also changing the lives of others. I hope that this podcast and the people that you meet here help you feel more connected and part of the Passion Purpose Power community. Marianne Oakes is a Manchester United supporting serial entrepreneur, musician, counsellor, parent, grandparent and trans woman. Marianne is passionate about getting every ounce of joy out of life and through her counselling work, helping others to find a way to live their best lives. Marianne grew up during a significant time in LGBT history, living through the legislation of gay male relationships in 1967, the AIDS crisis and the legislation of gay marriage and the Gender Recognition Act. Marianne found a way to explore her own gender against a hostile but changing background and found a way to not only survive but thoroughly thrive. Marianne loves spending time with her family and finds joy in her musical pursuits as a guitarist and has a thriving practice as a therapist supporting trans clients as well as anyone who wants to help find some clarity and ways to live a full life. Marianne, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's really good to have you here. Um, uh, How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well. Thank you for asking me. Um, Obviously, it's nice to do these things, but it's also nice to catch up with somebody who I've known for a few years now and we've not spoke for a while. So thank you for considering me. Uh, We'll we'll try and avoid turning it into a big catch up session, although I would love to do that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So for anyone listening, Marianne and I worked together um, for about three four years maybe and Marianne's been my counseling kind of manager supervisor type person someone to go to with um all of my worries and concerns and has been so supportive um but I wanted to have her on the podcast because um well you've got a a lot of intersecting interests to me so there's the counseling the mental health there's gender um I guess a little bit of of activism in there and music. So we've got we have got yeah. these sort of areas of um, matching interests. So, uh, but let's start with the let's start with the passion question. So, what what are you passionate about? What it doesn't have to be just one thing, but yeah, what kind of gets you excited? What are you interested in? What are you passionate about? Big question, but I mean, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound patronizing to all the listeners but life itself and and getting every ounce of enjoyment that I can out of it despite the challenges that I face in doing that um but you know I think as a counselor and working with people you know if we whatever we do when we're working with people uh I think counseling is really to get them functioning and live their full lives, you know, live their best lives. And yeah, we can talk about the trans stuff, but I think that's counselling in general. And yeah, so my passion is, like you just said, I've got all these, it's interesting when you said it, all these different facets of my identity and actually accommodating all of them into my life. So I would say that's my passion. I hope that, that kind of answers that question. No, I love that. So, so yeah, uh, living, pas- passionate about living, you know, giving space to all of those things. And of course, you know, you're, you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you, you've got dogs, you like to, <laughs> from, you like to travel. Um, so how, maybe this is too big a question, but how do you make space for, for all of the things in your life? So, I mean, one thing I do have to say there as well, I'm also an entrepreneur or, you know, my history has been entrepreneur. I've not always been the most successful business person, but I've never stopped trying. It doesn't matter how many times I've been knocked down, got this need. How do I fit it all in? I, you know, um, difficult. One of the main things is having a, a, a partner that kind of supports me in doing all of these things. And, as I would always say, I can't speak for Vicky, and I know at times it can be challenging uh, having me, you know, doing all this stuff. But never once has Vicky tried to hold me back, uh, and has only ever, you know, supported me in all my endeavours. Mm-hmm. So I think anybody that 
is trying to live a full life um, in the way we've just described. You definitely need support around you uh, in order to do that. I definitely couldn't do it if I was on my own, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. But you've also got to remember that a lot of it interplays you know, that, the, you know, my music is what I do for self-care. And, and being a counsellor, you've got to practice self-care. I don't, I do read books, but no, I'm very slow and very choosy about what I read. So it's not, I don't have a goal to, to go and read a book. Or I think in this day and age, you know, I have to, I don't avoid politics. I've got kind of a, a, a skin in the game, so to speak. But I don't, I don't kind of use it as a goal to, to, for any kind of reason but I, I think in, it make making everything into play in your life and be part of your identity is really important when it comes to the music for example half an hour a day I play mm. and I do my gigs and we don't rehearse as a band we just say we're going to learn that song and we're all a bit long in the tooth now we just come together the counseling is what I do um, you know that that's my day job um when it comes to grandkids if i've got one regret at the moment i probably work too much and don't have enough time to to spend as much time with them as i could but i am 61 and i've got to have an eye on retirement so that actually in the next few years i can start and slow down and the whole point of the exercise is to be able to be there when i'm more able to give them more of me i'm not i'm not a natural carer in terms of you know i may be a trans woman but i'm not i'm not a baby person i'm not somebody that's great with nappies although i do my bit <laughs> but i also know when they start to want to learn music or they want to go to football or they want to start and and do other things that i'm going to be there for them and being able to create the time so it, it all kind of interplays mm uh it isn't finding time it's actually remembering that this is equally valid you know just because i'm not playing the guitar mm -hmm. i don't stop being a musician i don't when i get some time not pick my guitar up does i'm hoping that makes sense yeah yeah it does um and, and you said counseling is something you do so it feels i mean a lot of people that are counselors it does kind of become an identity uh, a descriptor of who they are not what they do do you kind of uh connect with that at all or is it something you are able to kind of separate out a little bit it's different from identity i think i think it's something that all counselors should think about i mean it's very easy to get absorbed and being a counselor it, it is a profession and it's a bit like you know a, a solicitor. A solicitor is not always a solicitor. A doctor isn't always a doctor. A policeman is off duty. You don't, you know, if if we've got interestingly enough a policeman that's a neighbour, but if something was happening around here, we wouldn't run round to his house. We'd still call nine nine nine, wouldn't we? Sure. And I do think there's something about boundaries as well because, and again, I don't know what your experience is, Amy, but if I go on a social occasion and people want to start sharing their work with me, their troubles and issues with me, you know, I have to cut it off very quickly because I'm not there to do that. So I think we have to be able to be something more than the job that we do. Uh, although I can't, it is a part of my identity, but it's got to be boundaried. I think that's that's the word I was looking for. We've we've got to set boundaries with that. Yeah. Otherwise, we can go when we can burn out. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, it's a recipe for overwhelm and, and burnout if you can't I, separate that out. It's a big issue though within counseling as well, burnout. You know, and if you if you live in a very monolith monolith kind of life where you don't switch off and you don't can't practice self-care then you know you've got to question your ability to do your job properly uh, the same as anybody the same as any profession i suppose yeah uh, but it is a, it is a balancing act without a shadow of a doubt yes um, yeah i i i think and i hope that that comes across sort of loud and clear is that you know the the work that we do as therapists uh is intense and and 
there's a lot to hold where we're holding the trauma of other people and so if you don't have boundaries then yeah it's it can be easily become overwhelming yes yes I, re- I remember what this sounds really pithy once but I remember walking past uh the local bookies and seeing my solicitor come out <laughs> and somehow I was disappointed I don't know why, but I see them as a professional. I don't see them as a person. And I've no right to be disappointed, but it did. And I do think when I say about setting professional boundaries, as you probably know, you know, the one sacrifice I've had to make is I've separated myself from my own community. I've distanced myself from my own community where I used to go for support I can't go there anymore because I don't know who's going to come and see me. And, you know, and to set that professional boundary is that on one hand, and, and, you know, I did a post-grad diploma with pink therapy and it talked about boundaries a lot, especially let's just say you were into kink and, you know, on one hand you're a therapist, but on the other hand, you're going into the kink uh, community, you might end up, uh coming across your um your clients and you know and how would you manage that mm. so but i i made a decision when I, when i when i started practice and i was doing my training to just distance myself i do go and i will go to events yeah. uh and i will talk to people but not in the context of, of being a counselor but i won't befriend too many people not because i don't like them or any other reason but I don't know where they connect to my clients down the line. And a bit like the solicitor coming out, the bookies, you know, I am human. I've got frailties and I've got, you know, so I've kind of put that distance in there uh, just to, to, to protect everybody really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's probably another thing that would never have occurred to sort of anyone listening to this podcast. That's not in the therapy world that, um, we we've got to think about the 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 links with that, especially when we're within small communities, whether it's LGBTQ, whether it's uh, cultural, uh, small cultural communities. There are lots of intersecting links sometimes that uh, you know that uh, I guess the reason why we would put those why we might remove ourselves from from those spaces or why why we might put those boundaries in is because um, you know we can't really counsel people that we are we've got those links with they don't get uh as good a counseling uh as as perhaps they would with someone that wasn't uh in that community if that makes sense (laughs) and you know to put this into context you know i say my community i'm really talking about the trans community Mm -hmm. because you know overwhelmingly my clients are are trans I think at the last census, there was about 100,000 trans people in the UK. And if you've only got to go onto social media and all the main protagonists are somewhere connected to them 100,000 people. And, you know, when we talk about six degrees of separation, you know, we're all, we're no more than six connections away from any world event. If you think about the trans community, community in the UK being that tiny I don't know who I'm talking to and where them links are so so it's about them feeling safe that I'm not gonna are they gonna say something about somebody in the community or say something about the community so holding them boundaries is really challenging so the more I can just and I just say distance I'm not not away from it and I'm, I'm watching it and I'll dip in when I need to yeah. but I'm not you know nobody if anybody thinks I'm a trans right activist I'm a trans advocate to when people are giving misinformation out I, I will go and try and redress the balance yeah. uh, so but I'm not an activist I'm not going on marches or anything yeah. Yeah. Uh, because there's only so much I can do for my community and yeah I could become overwhelmed if I wasn't careful yeah I, I, that's, I, there's sort of like a, a crossroads there is I could we could go down that road or that road um, <laughs> <laughs> where would you like to go you, you go where you got tells you <laughs> well well I suppose my gut was yeah in the last census 
a hundred thousand uh trans people put tick the trans box on the census we know there's probably more that, that that didn't but but given that there's such a a small number of trans people which seems disproportionately out of uh, uh what's the word um out of proportion to the anti-trans rhetoric and and certainly some of the stuff that's come out of the tory party conference this week what are your what are your thoughts on that i'm not sure if there was a question in there i think the challenge i'm always of the mind as, as somebody who's long in the tooth and has been around a long long time to put this into perspective when i was born it was still illegal for men to have a relationship with each other and actually, you know, in extreme circumstances, they will be put in prison or chemically castrated. So the culture I was born into, you know, was a million miles away from where we are here. And I'm not going to say as a young child, I remember, you know, the political struggles of the gay rights movement because it just didn't happen in my area. But on reflection, when they passed, when they reformed the Gay Rights Bill, when it allowed men to have relationships, it passed by one vote. Mm. That's how close it... So there was still a massive amount of politicians who thought men should not... One man should not love another man. Mm. And, and, and it passed by one vote. And revolutionary as that was it was still close. And then we had the AIDS crisis, which wasn't, if you look at it and, you know, in a space of time, it wasn't that far away. And that didn't go through without a fight, did it? Do you know, I remember Margaret Thatcher putting the, um, it's heartbreaking, honestly, I, I can get emotional thinking about it, putting billboards up, demonising gay men uh, and, and call it, you know, it was the scourge of God and all of that. And the way they were treated, and you've only got to watch um, It's a Sin, you know, um, yeah. uh, to see, you know, and, and and I don't think you could write a drama about that that could over-egg it, yeah. you know, that, that, that. So it would be naive to think we were going to advance trans rights without this current rhetoric. Mm. And, you know, to hear Rishi Sunak stand on that podium and laugh mockingly while he, gender ideology, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be bullied, says the bully. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's bullying anyone. It's like in Oliver, oh, I'm off on one now, Amy. It's like in Oliver when they go and ask for more food. Do you know what I mean? It's it's that, that's, that's how it feels being trans. Yeah. But I'm philosophical about it to a degree, that, that maybe that the, this is... Wrong as it might be, maybe it's the rite of passage of all movements that, that are about social change to have to go through this. Um, and, and it's horrible and it's terrible. But I'd also say um, there's only one thing worse than what we're experiencing now, and that's to be ignored and be invisible. And that's where we were for most of my life. Yeah. And yeah, we have stuck our heads up above the parapet and we are being shot at, but it's still a better place to be than... Mm. I remember in the 90s when I first started stepping outside the front door, if somebody had punched me, I'd have been arrested for breach of the peace. Yeah. And we're not there now. No. Uh, and we've got to fight to keep moving forward. And I think we are moving forward. And the more we move forward, the more the rhetoric uh turns up yeah but we've got to keep going we cannot keep going yeah does that make sense we've got to keep that going and painful as it is we've got a whole generation oh generations of people coming behind us that need us to do this so yeah, yeah i think yeah. i have i'm philosophical about it i hate yeah. it i'm angry and i feel sorry for everyone i speak to but i can only do what i do yeah yeah so it, it's almost like that that you have hope you have hope that it is moving in the right direction almost almost because it's so so tough and and that's part of movement yeah i think um you know no pain no gain sometimes <laughs> i don't, I don't want to i've we've got to be really careful i want to make the distinction i'm not trivializing it i feel it you know I, 
I could have thrown my uh, mug at the telly when I heard Rishi Sunak say that. You know, I'm angry and I'm furious, but I need to be because yeah. it's that that's going to make the change. Yeah. And I do know that it's coming. Yeah. It's going it, to, and it, it, it'll fade into obscurity like it did with gay rights. There's still, let's not kid ourselves, there's still homophobia, transphobia, racism, misogyny is baked into the fabric of society. And that's not saying that everybody feels that way, but even me and you could have a conversation long enough and I could say something and you would be jarred by it, not because I'm a bad person, but because actually I've not given that one bit of detail enough uh, thought and I don't mean to, but you know, it was baked into society and you don't just kind of have enlightenment and then everything's okay. You've got to kind of, this comes back to my passion about life though. Yeah. And as you can see, I'm quite animated talking about it because that's where the passion is. Uh, Passion doesn't mean to say everything has to be easy, does it? Or happy, it can mean that you've got something that fires you up. And I think that's that's really important. That's exactly it. It's a passion... Uh, is an is an energetic word it, it sort of it implies kind of movement and that can sometimes be rage and uh, anger as well as you know something you're joyfully excited about um i think that there's two things that i've heard in the last sort of week that have made me uh aware of what i didn't know and um uh, I guess wanting to share it in case someone else doesn't know as I had this conversation with my mum um, the other night after I'd heard it and and I I, I don't want to uh, imply or uh, compare things that shouldn't be compared but I was I'd, I'd heard someone talking about um, in the context of what's happening uh, the, the, the rhetoric uh, against trans people particularly against trans women to be clear it's it doesn't really seem to have the same um energy around trans men but uh in germany when hitler first got started how you know the percentage of people that were jewish in germany at that time was less than one percent and i had no idea that it was that low uh so that's on me for for not knowing but it but i i think it's just that uh, when I asked my mum, she said thirty five percent, and I, I was like, "Yeah, you would imagine that that's what it would yeah. be." So it, it, that was a, <laughs> it, it, you know, the the context in which I heard it was sort of com- comparing, you know, trans people to to the Holocaust, and and, and uh, so I know I, I get that there's some incomparable things there, but there's this. It's just in the context of the rhetoric that our politicians are putting out there. They're spending a lot of time and energy and being very vocal about less than one percent of the population. And I just think, what are you when while they're doing that? What are you not paying attention to that they don't want you to be looking at? If if you think about it in real terms, <clears throat> the Tory Party and the Labour Party uh, are gambling that that one percent will make no difference to a general election. So it's an easy target. And what disappoints me more than anything is the Labour Party, who's always been the voice of the people. Politicians are there to serve and protect all citizens mm. without exception. And what the both them parties are doing are playing politics with trans people. We'll tell, you know, we, we will not... Um, we won't defend trans people because who cares? But what they forget is the thing that changed, and 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 this is my perspective, so I'm going to own this. I'm not going to pretend um, that I speak for everybody that was involved. When you looked at the gay rights movement, it's when people started seeing that this was their partner, their child, their granddad, their... You know, when suddenly people... So that 1% spreads very, very quickly. Mm. And they're taking a gamble that our families and friends won't support us. I'm going to give you a little bit of information now. You you, you put out... Uh, you liked that Facebook uh, post they put about uh, Brianna Gay. Yeah. Um, 
And if you look on the people, when I looked this morning, the only people that had liked it, the only two cis people were you and an old colleague of yours. I don't know if I should mention her name, but uh, uh, you were the only two cis people that have liked it or, yeah. you know, acknowledged it. And uh, I'm just like, where are all my friends? Yeah. Where are where have my friends not read that? If I went on there and said... Oh, here I am with my grandchild. They'd all pile on with that. Yeah. And that's that's what we've got to motivate. We've got to let people see that when they attack trans people, they're actually attacking me. Yeah, I'm a confident person. I don't follow the rules of everybody else. You know, I, I live my life on my terms. People like me for it, hopefully. Some people hate me for it, probably. But... When they talk about trans women, they are talking about me. It's a bit like people who've got, I've got a black friend. Yeah. And and when we hear about, you know, when, when people are being racist, say, yeah, but that's not them. We don't mean my friend because they're one of the nice ones, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what we need to do is mobilise yeah. our allies. And let, they've got to start and see that, yeah. that, that when Rishi Sunak's talking about trans women, is talking about me mm. and you said about it is trans women but you've got to remember that misogyny continues at a pace even within the trans community that trans men are still being the fact that they're not included in this debate they are on the periphery and brought in when it suits their needs they are being silenced as women have been silenced all their lives. Mm. And, you know, it's a double insult to every trans man that's existing to be, be ignored, to be, you don't matter, you know, we're not frightened of you yeah. because you're women. It's the trans women. So that misogyny extends into this debate very very subtly do you know when i said it's yeah. baked into the fabric of society it's these subtleties do you know trans men have advanced the rights of, uh, of trans people equally if not more than uh, trans women uh sorry trans women out there if you've got the stats to tell me otherwise but if you have we're still not acknowledging the trans men who have, have done equally as much. And, and people like Stephen Whittle come to my mind, who lots of people won't have heard of Stephen Whittle. He's been around years fighting for my rights. So, yeah, yeah misogyny. Uh... Yeah. It's so important. And I think I think that's why allyship is important. I, I often wonder, what am I doing? Am I, is it enough? Um, and uh, had uh, Victoria on uh, a podcast episode, and it it's not gone out yet. But we were talking about how to how how to be a good ally, and I think what you just said there was really important because, uh, so I take <laughs> my mum is entering into this podcast more than I realised. Um, but you take my mum for an example. For an example, um, I'm fairly sure she doesn't know uh, a trans person in real life, but she's the mother of a daughter who does know trans people and has worked with a lot of trans people and is very passionate about trans rights so that has impacted on her and she'll ask me questions and uh be she'll listen to these podcast episodes and she'll share that with people so i think this is the thing about allyship to to some degree is if you're being vocal even if it's even if it's just sharing a post on Facebook even if it's just liking a post on Facebook other people are watching that and seeing that and and so if they're in a situation where they're thinking well it doesn't really matter to me because I don't love anybody that is trans on a personal level um they then might go oh but but so and so know someone and and actually that person over there their partner is trans or their, their uh cousin is or something like that i think that's where it starts to uh go out in ripples yeah. that you don't know it's it is it is like um it's getting the momentum going enough and you don't we don't need all we need is 
30% of the population to care. Yeah. But the politicians will stop. Yeah. We're not looking for 70% of the population. Enough. We probably only need 15%, to be honest, spread out across the UK to care. Mm-hmm. Politicians will stop. When the politician stops, the media will stop. And then your likes of JK Rowling will stop. Mm-hmm. You know, there is there is an underbelly here uh, that we've got to remember. There's an under. There's a bit that's out of sight that's going on that's far greater than all of that. Corporates globally know that it's in their interest to support trans people. You know, all the big brands. Now, you know, capital society and all that and wherever you stand uh, on all of that, the pink pound has got a massive value to these businesses. You know, even people like Tesco, they do need that 1% because they're high turnover, low profit. And if 1% of their market left, it would have an impact on their bottom line. Right. So actually, there's a lot of good happening, even if you don't like corporates. Uh, I don't want to get into that whole <laughs> thing because I've got lots. But you know what I mean? Um, and that you know a lot of brands are associating themselves with trans rights and then you've only got to look at JK Rowling and her brand's damaged by it uh, by her stance and maybe she doesn't care about that maybe she's got enough money to have the privilege to not care but there are people suffering in her organisation because of her stance and that's what will drive change. I'm hoping that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely a, 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 another really important facet of it. Um, okay, let's let's jump to purpose. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, with passion and purpose, is a, a, a both kind of connected terms. But do you feel like you have a purpose? If it, it, do you feel like you have a purpose that is definable? That is, and is it different to your passion? Um, I suppose, I think professionally, it depends, I suppose. When I'm a musician and I go up on stage and play, I want people to have a good night. I mean, the band that I play with is all about audience participation. If you, if you book us for a party, that people go away from that party. You know, let's just say I was booked to pay, play somebody's, well, we did a 21st recently, and... Uh, I want everybody to remember that 21st for the person, not for me. You know, so my purpose is to go in and make a difference. If I'm just playing in a pub that people think, what a great night we had down at that pub. Not what a great night did we have watching the band, but we had a great night. So my purpose, I suppose, is to make a mark somewhere, whether that's for me or whether that's for my community or whether it's for the people that come and watch the band, whether it's for my family. So I suppose the passion and the purpose kind of, there's an interplay there, isn't there? Um, that, that, you know, what is the point of any exercise? And that's got to be to make a difference. Uh, and, you know, if most people thought about that in their lives. How can I make a difference today? You know, you're going to work, how can I make a difference? And I know you'll say doctors and nurses and they go in there and because that's part of the train, the same with counselors, but you know, everyday people that are just going serving in a shop, did they help that old person? You know, was the purpose purely to earn the money and go home? Or was it to actually enjoy the, the day and actually make a difference? I'm, just give you a little fact about me. When I used to commute to work, you know, which I've done for most of my life, the, if there's different routes to take to get there, I wouldn't choose the shortest route. I'd choose different routes so that I could enjoy the trip. If I go on the train, if I go on a flight, I do everything I can to 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 enjoy it, not just see it as a, a I don't know, a means to an end so purpose is put purpose to everything I suppose yeah yeah that's really interesting so I I guess what you described there was uh well with the music of a facilitation of a good time and and you know making a difference and I suppose that's there in the therapy as well of facilitating a change um um 
uh, growth, um, something like that. And then just being really present in your life gives you purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's very easy to just exist without purpose. I think, you know, with social media, with your iPhone, and I'm not having a go at them. I've got it. You know, I said to you before, I've been on Twitter today and God knows why I go on Twitter, but I do. But, you know, we've all got the gadgets, but the, the you know, the purpose shouldn't be to isolate ourselves and just entertain ourselves. The purpose has got to be to have a full life, to learn and go out and take that learning and, and help other people. And, and, you know, I suppose you're going to get people, for, you know, uh, we're in a very divided nation at the moment. We've all got an, a different idea of what that purpose might be, you know. But I think if your purpose is to hurt people, then you've got to question your purpose. If your purpose is to, uh, to enhance the lives of the masses in some kind of way, then maybe you're doing something right. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, going on to politics... I do believe genuinely that there's some really good politicians that genuinely care and they go into it for all the right reasons. And then you've got them career politicians that are, it's all about um, power. You know what I mean? And if you know, and control. So yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Does that answer the question? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's a really good point. I think, in everybody that I've spoken to on the podcast so far and it wasn't by design but I guess it kind of makes sense that you know the people that I'm having on are are like-minded but there's definitely an element of uh, I I guess at at a point realizing that what's most fulfilling is giving out rather than going keeping in and and yeah I think that's what we 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 don't see with with politicians, those the career politicians. It's a it's a, a a closing up rather than an open community type feeling. No, nobody's interested in the good politicians, are they? Because it's not it's not controversial. It doesn't uh, it doesn't. I mean, I must admit, and I, you know, I, please, the listener, don't judge me for this we've got a Tory uh, MP in my area I'm not never going to vote for the Tories in my area never have done never will do he's actually quite a good politician now some people would say to me well surely you should vote for him then I can't risk another Tory government because whatever happens there's rot within the Tory party and I feel sorry for the genuine good ones and there are some good Tories and you know I'm not blinded by that I think the ethos and everything that goes behind them doesn't fit with my values but that doesn't mean to say that they're wrong and they are trying to they're there trying to fulfill a purpose you know and isn't that all all any of us are trying to do yeah Uh, if we are oh that's all any of us should be trying to do yeah yeah that's a that's a really good point I and a good reminder, um, I wish I could say the same about my local Tory politicians, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. Um, I, I really wish that that was the case. Um, but I guess, yeah, it, there has to be space for anyone within any kind of uh, political arena to to be good, to want, want good for people. Well, would it not be fair to say that we need a degree of discourse in yeah. politics or in any walk of life to get the best result? Yes. You know, that ultimately, if we just add one group of people with one philosophy, and this is the trouble when you've got such a large majority in Parliament, that's what we've had for the last four years, that, that without the discourse, without somebody being able to challenge it, that we... Um, we've got a dictatorship yeah. and that's never good. I, and, I've, and that's what we need to be, be yeah. about. I, the, I've, the, I've said this recently that um, uh, according to the sort of proportional representation and, and people that are sort of uh, arguing for that, if we had like a, uh, I guess, you know, one, one, however they would do it. <laughs> if, if we had, uh, proportional represent, re- representation the Tories would never get in 
and I don't want that either. I don't want because it's a if if there's no competition, if there's no discourse, then it's a dictatorship. And but but I don't want to live in a, a country where a party can get 100% of the power for only 44% of the national votes. That doesn't make sense either. And I, God, I would love it if we could have some really out of the box thinking. And I, I, I heard the Finnish government have an amazing kind of way of doing it over there. But maybe there's issues there as well. What we've got missing in this country is a constitution. That's all. Right. And if we had a constitution that, yeah, it doesn't matter who gets in power... These are the red lines you cannot cross. They're right. not even up for debate. The NHS, you know what I mean? Infrastructure. You know, that the parliament must work towards a functioning infrastructure, a right. functioning N- NHS. Right. I should be on question time, shouldn't I? The, should. um, uh, you know, that's what we should have over it. And we haven't got a constitution. We've got an unofficial constitution. Uh, but we haven't got a constitution and that makes everything up for debate and depending on the media. And that's why, you know, people like Rupert Murdoch wield such influence because he can write anything he wants to serve his own purpose. And I think that's, and that's why trans people are, you know, if if you said that, you know, um, uh, the constitution is that, that laws that are made to, to advance you know, uh, to, to reduce racism, homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, ableism, uh, whatever, you know, that they are written into our constitution, that they are not up for debate. We've only, we should only ever talk about the advancement, never the retraction of. Right. Then then we wouldn't be having this these kind of discourses. And you'd yeah. think we live in a civilised society where that... Yeah. And, and then in 50 years' time, none of that will be baked into our uh society oh talking like i know who knows but that's how <laughs> well that's I how mean, I... yeah we we need we need people with with visionary ideas and i because at the moment both it seems like the conservatives and labor are maintaining this status quo and we just go backwards and forwards like a ping pong ball to the whims and wills of the party those two parties the fact that people can't tell the difference says everything we need to know doesn't it you know and and sadly you know, i liked i liked jeremy corbyn to a degree but i also kind of felt you know he was he, the pendulum was swinging too far to the left and and, and i don't want to say i'm a, a a centrist but there's a reason why we have center of politics because that that is looking after all the nation and when they swing too far we 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 ignore people and you know that the idea of government is to look after everybody and bring equity into society and sadly we don't have that now what was the third thing by the way amy sorry i'm kind of that's okay Um, (laughs) i was gonna i was gonna ask well we've talked a little bit about power you know we haven't sort of specifically said it out out loud as a word but we have talked about it in 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 various aspects of what we've talked about but when do you feel at your most powerful I, do you know, I, I, th- I would say it, it's when I know that I have a way of seeing things differently. And I only know this because it's reflected back to me all the time. It's, it's It was reflected back to me in the therapy room. But, you know, I see sometimes see some people, you know, ranting on about this, that or the other. And I'll say, oh, well, have you thought about this? This is socially. And, and suddenly you see the wind taken out of the sails. I think, you know, if I was to take my 61 years on this uh, earth uh, to be here. So as somebody who's been married for 40 years last year, I have to say, somebody whose marriages survived transition, somebody who as somebody who's confident in my identities and that uh, you know i will you know play with my gender role uh, to suit my needs without hurting anybody else or purely for the purpose of advancing people's enjoyment or you know life in a in a meaningful way uh you know that i'm also open-minded enough to know that not everybody wants to be married for 40 years to the same person that I would, you know, it might not have been my 
way of being, but I would fight for it to be their right of way. Not, you know, I'm, I don't try to impose my way of being. So I think my power, when I feel at my most power, is when my mind's open to see things differently. And that doesn't mean to say I always get it right. And I can, and I, I can look a fool, but I'd rather look a fool and learn than to have a narrow, rigid view of what the world should be. And that links, I think, into what we said right at the start, my passions. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how that all links together. Um, and what a great way of putting it. So you're 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 at your most powerful um in a way, I suppose, as a as a, a an accumulation of everything you've learned, everything you've gone through allows you to be and you are very good at doing this because you've you've done it with me before and you'll you'll often start by saying let me just reframe that for you (laughs) and it's it's brilliant it's so good and 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 so when you have the when you're able to get someone to think about something differently or allow them to sort of feel heard or like you said take the wind out of their sails that it can make you feel powerful yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I'll use, my, I have to, and you'll know as well as I do, uh, you can't be a counsellor without having an open mind, but also you've also got to understand, like I said to you, I also know that something will be unwittingly tapped into my, you know, uh, ingrained racism, homophobia, transphobia, because they will, them ingredients will be in there, but not to get... I, I always remember a comedian, uh, I can't think of his name, but I think he's um I think his parents or one of his parents is Chinese and he's faced racism. And he was talking on a show once, he said what he finds in he said it as a joke really, but it's true. He said, um, it's interesting when I point out to somebody that what they've just said is racist, how angry they get at me. I'm not racist. When somebody says to you that they're vegan, people get angry at it. You know, like like them saying they're vegan is a judgment on you. And yeah, I can get defensive in the moment, but I'm also able to reflect on why am I being defensive? Maybe I am wrong. Mm. And it's okay to be wrong. And, you know, this open mind, if we want to maintain an open mind and not have rigid thought processes, um, we can adapt to the world, we can adapt to social change, and yeah, I can be frightened, I can be persuaded in the wrong direction, but being but but not being fixed in that without being persuaded that actually that's hurting people or that's not going to advance society, and that it was okay for punk rockers to swear on television, despite my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, and, and- I don't know if. People class that as a power but that's when I feel most powerful when I can I can change and adapt yeah and and that's so interesting because it's almost the antithesis of uh, and this is probably a, 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 a baked into the uh, culture of politics that I wish could change is change and adaptability because we often see um it, 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 it's it's never done in good faith and sometimes these the, the changes aren't aren't particularly good or helpful but we often berate politicians for making a u-turn and you know changing their minds um and i've i've always kind of said like wouldn't it be great if we just had someone that went on and said with this new information i have changed my mind <laughs> and xyz Whereas they double down on stuff because they're almost not allowed to change their minds. And so I think sometimes we've created a system by which then I think I think there's two two viewpoints. I agree with you um entirely. However, the, the, there's a slight difference there in in are, are they changing their mind because there was a drop in the polls? Yeah. Are they changing their mind because they've seen the light? Yeah, And I think when we talk about U-turns, and I do think people, you know, it's very easy. I, I suppose as a counsellor, you know, it's very easy for me to to talk about these kind of things. I do sometimes think, you know, at the top, we do need people with clear vision. 
what they've got to be able to do is adjust. I mean, to throw billions at HS2 and then say it's not going to... I mean, you're going to get fast rail to Birmingham from London. You can drive it almost as quick as you can... By the time you've got a cab to the station or whatever. You know, that that that's not a U-turn. That's, you know, we've we've made mistake after mistake after mistake. If people could have been open-minded, what was the full... What was the purpose of the exercise? And sometimes politicians are making policy statements based on polls, yes. not on what's right. And I think, but I think a politician that could say, you know, all my life I've believed in these values, <clears throat> but now I can see how they're harming people. Yeah. And I'm going to have to rethink. I think that would be a different yes. uh, kind of part. And we need more of that as well, you know. No, good, good to point that out. Um, we have to stop, but I think we should probably do a part two and three <laughs> because we could probably talk <laughs> about everything for much longer. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to come on, and it's, it's so exciting to me because you never know where it's going to go, and and we've covered all sorts of things. So thank you so much for being up for uh, the adventure. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. You know, you know, you know where I am. If you want to do a part two on another series, perhaps. <laughs> We'll have to plan it, like book book you in months in advance, so that we can actually <laughs> get to see each other. Because otherwise, you're too busy. Well, we have tried, haven't we? Uh, it's our calendars don't seem to match yeah. somewhere. So, uh, like I say, you know where I am, and I'd love to to talk about some of this more. And if anybody does read in and want to comment and want to yeah. know more about any aspect of it, uh, I'll, I'll try and change my mind. I mean, keep it respectful, but um, you know, I would love. I would love people to challenge me because, you know, how am I going to learn if I'm not challenged? This is where I am today. You yeah. know, hopefully by the time I'm 71, uh, there will be more expansion on on everything uh, that I've just said. So. Yeah, we're, we're growing and changing. And I, you know, my I've sort of shifted my, my tagline for the podcast to community through conversation. And I think that, that that's all I want it to be about is just having community through conversation <laughs> and, and yes. that's what we've done today yeah. so thank you so much you're welcome if you enjoyed this podcast please don't forget to like subscribe and share it with your podcast loving friends please come and find me on social media i would love to connect with you there and if you would like to support this podcast and keep it free from ads for as long as possible you can send me a tip on ko-fi using the link in the description this podcast was produced by Lexi Thurston at Digital Hero and the music was created by Walters Music Production. Mm-hmm.